Hello and welcome to our first Learning From Legends podcast for 2022. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. And with the Australian Open tennis event over, it's appropriate that I catch up with the GM of one of the Open sponsors, Benoit Collard, of that renowned champagne business, Piper Heitzig. This is a company with a fascinating history, which I explore with Benoit, and I'm keen to understand how an internationally significant business like this, primarily based on celebrations, was able to cope with two years of pandemic problems and challenges. I also want to know if he's seeing some improvement in the supply chain problems that are fueling inflation via rising costs. If supply costs recede over 2022, and inflation does too, fears around rising interest rates will be reduced and that would be great for stocks. And that's something I'm keen to see. So let me introduce you to Benoit Collard of Piper Heitzig. Well, joining me now is the GM of Piper Heitzig, uh, Benoit Collard. Benoit, thanks for joining me on the program. You're welcome. Thank you. And hi. Uh, and it's quite significant that you be here at a time when the Australian Open is on. Uh, Piper Heitzig has a, a significant role in sponsoring around the, the, the tennis uh, tournament. Um, but, but I also want to get a, a, an understanding of Piper Heitzig. It's a brand name this country knows very well, but I'm sure most of us don't know enough about it. So could we start off by uh, talking about the history of Piper Heitzig? Of course. Well, the story of Piper Heitzig is actually quite unique and um and a long-lasting one. It started in 1778, actually. Um, Florian Heitzig, he was a young German entrepreneur, actually uh, selling drapes, trading drapes from Germany to the different royal courts. And on his way to Versailles, he stopped by in Reims. He was 23, and he met Agathe. She was 18. She was a French girl from, from Reims. And um, he just realized that he wanted to live here and marry her. And um, he decided to actually look into the different businesses. He, he loved the wines and he thought that there was something there. So he actually created his champagne house in 1785, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, he was the first German to settle in Champagne and, um, and brought this sense of uh, business, this sense of uh, international trade as well into it. And no wonder did it help the house to actually start developing abroad, being present in, I think, 14 royal courts in the uh, 1800s. And slowly but surely, the house became quite famous. Uh, we survived the prohibition at the end of the, uh, uh, eight, uh, at the beginning of the 1900s, uh, when actually we, were, we used to ship almost a million bottles to the US at the end of the 1800s. So when prohibition happened, it actually hit us hard. So we survived through it. Uh, thanks to the help of some fishermen from uh, the small Saint Pierre Miquelon Island, who helped yeah. show that some bottles would still land in New York. Yeah, uh, survived the Second World War as well, when um, the house was conf confiscated by the German uh, because we were um, the owners were helping the resistance. They fled. They became air pilots for the army, and um, and all this actually um, made us stronger quite brave, quite audacious. And, um, and uh, we started this partnership with the Australian Open in 2019. To be fair, as a, 
as a good way to celebrate um, first the fact that Australia is our number one market. Second, that there's no better time to have a glass of champagne than celebrating in summer. And you can do it here when uh, when it's freezing in 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 Europe. Uh, so it's um, yeah, it's a long story full of for sure adventure and with always something at heart, which is the um, quality of the wines that make it possible to convince everyone to toast with Piper. Okay. So um, I'll, I want to get into the, the link to tennis as well in a moment. You yourself um, have had the experience of actually studying at Melbourne University. So you're, <coughs> you're not really a, a stranger in paradise, are you? Um, the bond between Piper Heidsick and, and Australia is, is quite actually unique and it's a long story. We still have some invoices of, uh, and all of orders coming from our distributor in Melbourne in the, of the late 1800s. Hmm. For me, um, it's not such a long story for sure, but a on a personal note, indeed, I actually did part of my MBA on exchange at the Melbourne Uni. And uh, when I look back, that's 25 years ago. Um, my first day in Melbourne was a typical Melbourne Union day in winter, so in August, pretty cold. Um, but I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the people and uh, and with this unique culture. And when I joined Piper Heidsick to run the house in 2015, um, the the winery and Piper Heidsick was already known as you as you mentioned in Australia, but. Um, I'm glad to see that uh, in the last couple of years, the passion I have for the city of Melbourne and, and, and Australia is, uh, is getting a lot of uh, passion for pipe heights back from the Australian consumers. Yeah, without a doubt. So before we start talking about this relationship in terms of tennis yeah. and pipe heights, what's it been like for the company with the challenges of COVID and the supply chain problems we keep hearing about all the time, which is creating inflation right around the world. How did the company deal with the COVID challenges? Well, the, the current um, period with we're just exiting, uh, hopefully the last two years have been quite unique and, and quite strange for the whole of, uh, of, for everyone around the world and also for the whole of champagne industry. You know, the, the first year, 2020, we truly could see uh, the closure of, an, of the on-premise, the lockdown, uh, the lack of tourism. And so the, the, the airlines being uh, just uh, almost uh, stopped completely. And all this did affect us. And it is true that in this period, uh, when, when we started to um, you know, be able to go back out and, uh, and to enjoy being together, it did have a very positive impact on on, uh, on champagne in general. And that, of course, created quite a lot of tension in, in supply and more than supply in logistics, in freight. And um, while, you know, when the wines that we, uh, we ship this year, they are wines we have been um, bottling three, four, five years ago because we aged them in the bottles for a while so that they are ready when we ship them. So the wines are there, they were there, and they were ready to be uh, shipped. Uh, the biggest concern was indeed to make sure that we had a, a boat to put bottles on. And, uh, and that created tensions, especially last summer, especially in October, 
and uh, I'm glad to see that thanks to, let's say, the never-ending support and time uh, spent by our uh, partners here in Australia, we were able to uh, ship almost on time. We suffered a little bit from some out of stock in some stores, but uh, we made sure that we could uh, we could hit the market on time. The thing that surprised me uh, in, in talking to people in different industries from yours, but in st still in the hospitality and food and catering um, areas, was that um, they were surprised that import costs for them was going up because it was more expensive to get labels on the food that they were buying. The pallets were more expensive. The, the shipping charges are up. I, I presume you had to confront those sorts of challenges as well. It is true that in the last period, we have incurred significant increase uh, in most of the dry goods we, we, we use from glassware to the labels, to the packaging, it's almost impossible to find pallets at the moment uh, in, uh, in Europe. The timber is going up. And all this has created a lot of tension um, in the uh, very end part of the process, which is the packaging. So for sure, we had to make cho choices whether we would ship naked bottles instead of gift boxes for the year end. And, uh, and one can see truly that this has um, has had an impact on the on the price of champagne around the world. Um, if you add to it as well uh, the the harvest, which has been very good in quality but very poor in quantity, um, there's definitely a, a big tension on 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 those elements at the moment. Okay, so are you seeing? right now some improvement in that situation because as an economist who also is a, a, a commentator around investments and things like that um, I, I'm, I'm making the point that over 2022 if a lot of the supply chain problems that you've been facing for the last two years if they start to dissipate and we start getting back to a more normalized more competitive environment where costs aren't as high then this is going to be a, a good thing for many things. It can be good for inflation, good for your company, good for share prices, all that sort of thing. Are you seeing any positive signs at the moment that things are starting to improve? Um, the current context at this uh, at the beginning of this year is is actually quite unique. We were expecting to see, um, you know, the champagne consumption really takes place at the end of the year. So for sure, beginning of the year, I mean, January, February, we were expecting some more quiet time. To be fair, uh, it seems that it is taking a little bit longer for the whole supply chain to adjust because the, the tension is actually all the way through. During the pandemic, uh, our consumers actually emptied their sellers uh, having nice glass of champagne uh, just to get to think about something else than uh, the curfews. Um, and the stores were actually then uh, emptying also their shelves and... Uh, as well as the, the distributors all around the world. So the whole supply chain had to be refilled. Indeed, we, th we think that it has created a bigger tension in 2021. So far, what we can witness is that in 2022, it will still take a few more months than expected to readjust. And so I expect, as you did uh, mention, the fact that 
uh, freight tension might slow down in the second half of the year. Um, but I, it will also depend on what's going on with uh, China, um, because it's, it is true that a lot of containers are being blocked within the different factories and locations in China because there are closures. And so everything needs to, uh, to, to get back to normal so that we have a more quiet time. Yeah, so it seems to me that the critical factor is uh, the world deals with Omicron and we don't get a, a new variant. And then hopefully China can resume its, its normal role in the global economy and then businesses like yours will start to feel the benefits. Um, I must say that I'm I'm, I'm no expert in pandemic, mm -hmm. and and definitely uh, as everyone, I could watch the news. The one thing I know um, is that um, there's a thirst uh, for people all around the world to truly enjoy life, probably in a different way sometimes to what they experienced. But definitely, um, there's now a momentum for getting out of this pandemic. And, uh, and I'm pretty confident that 2022 will definitely see a change. With all the developments uh, we've seen with the growth of the vaccination rate all around the world, with the development of new medicines, there's no wonder uh, 2022 should be the year of uh, getting our life a little bit more back to normal, different, but way better. Yeah. So tell us, the partnering uh, of your company with the Australian Open, how important is that? Well, the partnership with the Australian Open is by far the largest partnership uh, investment we, we have done uh, and we are doing around the world. Um, there are a couple of reasons for it. Um, Australia being our largest market, uh, we really wanted to connect with the Australian community and we wanted to make sure that we were creating an experience for as many people as possible to enjoy and to discover Piper Heidsick. The Australian Open is by far the largest, uh, not just sport event, but entertainment event in the uh, Asia Pacific region. You know, on, in 2019, I think we exceeded 800,000 visitors. And 90% of them are Australians, or maybe 92, 95, if we include the New Zealand uh, population. So all in all, it means that uh, by creating unique moments uh, where people can truly understand what Piper Heidsick is about, what the lifestyle, what, which lifestyle it represents, get to discover also new cuvées. You know, this year we really made an emphasis on essential, which is to us probably the the nicest expression of pipe height sick uh, one can have. Well, we really are able to connect way more with the local communities than we did in the past. So it's not just a sport event. Uh, it's really more about uh, creating experiences that the Melbourne Park location truly allows us to do. What's the, the link between, do you think, champagne and sport? I don't know if there's a specific link between champagne and sport. I know that um, uh, there's a strong association anyway between champagne and moments of celebration, friendly friendship, uh, being together, and, and, and 
you know, it's not just about the victory. It's not just about this. You know, when you get to, t- to the open, I mean, for an evening sessions, you see people that just exited the office in the CBD. They enter the precinct and they're just here to have, you know, to enjoy a moment watching a little bit of tennis for sure. But you have uh, pop-up restaurants like Rockpool being there. So if they can have a glass of Piper Heidsick while having dinner and watching tennis at Rockpool with their friends, I think it's it's just unique. Um, sports in general, I would say that uh, it truly is more about, yeah, but the fact that when you are around the stadium, when you are practicing with friends at the end, uh, the third half, as we call it in uh, in France in rugby, the third the third half time is probably the best. Yes, that's true. So, what about I'm intrigued? You mentioned this a few times. So, Australia has, Australia has the largest consumption of champagne per head outside of France. How, how does this come about? Australia is, um, you know, it's not just for Piper Heidsick that Australia is big in champagne, for champagne. I mean, it, it is true that uh, we've seen a fantastic growth and uh, Piper Heidsick leading this growth in, in this market. And um, there are a couple of reasons, I think, that explain that. Uh, yes, for sure, there's a, a, an increased purchasing power, which has allowed probably more people to enjoy champagne as in the past. And uh, definitely the valuation of the Australian dollar uh, versus probably 20 or 30 years ago um, did help uh, reassess the the positioning of champagne in general. More importantly, and and this is a French person speaking here, um, one cannot um, forget that Australia now has 61 or 65 appellations in wine. The wine consumption, the wine knowledge uh, is unique in Australia, probably way more than in many other uh, countries in general, because it's it's all over Australia that you have wine production regions. Uh, If you get to the US, yes, you do have an understanding of of wine and therefore champagne in California, in New York. Um, But here in Australia, it's all over the place from Western Australia, Margaret River, all the way to Sydney, Brisbane. It's it's a true understanding. On top of it, if you add to the wine knowledge and consumption and understanding the appreciation of sparkling alcoholic beverage like beer, so if you add beer and premium wines, I think it's a good way to get into the champagne universe. Mm. I guess as an Australian, I, I did hope you'd say, well, Australia wins so much they have to drink champagne just to celebrate their victories. <laughs> I don't know if Australia wins so much. I'd wait for the next Rugby World Cup to say so. <laughs> I'll see for Saturday results with Ash Barty. I hope she will be uh, uh, the, the first Australian woman to win after 44 years. Yeah, I can say that um, uh, definitely Australians have good taste and there's no wonder they drink way more Piper Heidsick than anywhere else around the world. Okay. So you're, you're the, the GM of um, a champagne company. Have you been a champagne fan most of your life? Um, I had my first glass of, of wine uh, or my first sip. It was, was not a whole glass uh, for my first communion in when I was eight. And 
It was just a little bit of a sip of uh, Pomar 1945 that my grandfather had kept for, for a while. And um, I don't know if I truly appreciated that, but I do remember it vividly. And uh, it probably uh, created some kind of interest into uh, the world of wine in general. And um, I started collecting uh, champagne corks, you know, the, the plaques that you have on the corks. Uh, we call them, uh, the, the ones that collected in French, we call them placomusophiles. So I became a young placomusophile. And, and indeed, um, you know, there's not that many industries uh, that is all about passion. You know, it's uh, when you wake up in the morning uh, discussing with growers uh, that have to face very strict and extreme condition, weather conditions. You know, we are on the very edge of the viticultural regions uh, with spring frost, hailstorms. We have everything. So when you talk with them and you see how passionate they are, even though it's tough, when you talk to restaurateurs and one cannot forget what, what they've been through in the last two years, even club owners that uh, have to face sometimes uh, late night troubles. Uh, and when you talk also to the cavies that have to fill their shelves uh, early in the morning before the store opens, I think that uh, one cannot forget that you do all this so that people have a smile on their face. And uh, there's no wonder why I've been in this industry for so long, as soon as I, I finished my MBA. Uh, I legally sell pleasure and it's a great way of uh, making a living. Yeah. One final one, uh, Benoit. What is the commercial meaning behind Piper Heitzig's investment in, a, in the Aussie market? In the last couple of years, we could really witness and understand um, the importance of this partnership with, uh, with the Australian Open by um, identifying the improvement in the brand image and awareness in this market. I must say that um, connecting with and partnering with Tennis Australia has given us uh, the opportunity to express ourselves for long periods of time, two weeks, at a moment where people are excited to uh, enjoy champagne and being with friends. It's January, vacation time. People want to get together. It's warm, it's sunny. And, um, and we've seen a significant growth there's no wonder that this partnership happens simultaneously with the growth of our distribution in general and the fast and being the fastest growing champagne brand in this market. Benoit, Collard, thanks for joining me on the program. Thank you. And that was Benoit Collard, the GM of Piper Heitzig. And don't forget, if you want to invest with expert help, take out a Switzer Report subscription. One of our best tips last year was Novanix, which was up a big 164% in a year. Go to switzerreport.com.au. Thanks for joining us. I'm Peter Switzer. Talk to you next week. Quentin time! Quentin time! <laughs>